welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody at home, and welcome. This is Punch It, writing in Star Trek. I'm your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is... Charlene Schmidt. That's right, Charlene Schmidt. Today, we are talking about Star Trek and uh, nothing else, because (laughs) what point is there to talk about anything other than Star... Ah, that's an exaggeration. But I'm super excited about today, because we're trying out a new segment. This is something that we developed, and I think it's, it's pretty cool... And I'm sure it's been done in the past, but it's never been done on this show or even on uh, our old show, To The Journey. And so we want to see what you guys think. It's going to be – we haven't really thought of a snappy name for it. Not yet. Maybe our listeners can help us with that. You guys know that we love what-if stories. We love imagining what could happen if we did this or that or what if Romulus never exploded or what if – the Cardassian and Bajorans were switched in in their in, in power, you know, like stuff like that. It's just I love to do that, and this is kind of an extension of that. This one is kind of a character swap. Yeah. So this week we're going to I don't know if we're going to write a story, maybe a little bit, but we're going to discuss what it would be like if Captain Archer from the NX01 was the captain of the 1701D. That's right. I love this idea so much. I love the fact that you came up with this concept because it's got such potential. And we're going to have to discuss, I think, a lot of logistics in this Mm -hmm. kind of inaugural episode of this series. We need to decide like things like time. Are we going to acknowledge it? Is he going to be none the wiser? Are we just taking his personality and injecting it into the 24th century. Those are some of the things we've got to figure out even before we write a story. So this is going to be kind of a nice exploration, a how and a why. I think with this one, I th- the, when I originally thought of it, it was the only thing that really changes is maybe just a little bit of backstory to the character to make him fit in the 24th century, but nothing else changes. Hmm. Like everything happened exactly the way that it did. The 1701D is still a galaxy-class starship. Will Riker is still the XO. Data is the science officer. Geordi is in engineering. You know, War for Yar is security. Everything is exactly the same, except there's no Picard, and the person who's captaining it is Captain Jonathan Archer. And it's and there's is no time traveling. It's not like oh my god, you know, you're the Archer who you know was on the the first warp five ship. No, that never happened. Okay. Archer is just in the 24th century. And you brought this up because we talked about this a little bit. We didn't really do any forming or anything, but you brought up a really key point that Jonathan Archer is so much a product of his time. Right. That's what makes me bring this up is he's a pretty integral part of the NX-01 timeline and the Warp 5 ship and, and the cementing of the Federation, getting that whole thing together. How is that going to translate to the 24th century or does it? Exactly, yeah. And so I'm thinking that in order to get him to fit into the 24th century, because his father's influence on his life is very profound and very instrumental to this character. Yeah. So his father cannot can no longer be the inventor of the first Warp 5 drive. 
No, not his father. Now, maybe an ancestor. Okay, okay, could be, okay. It could be an ancestor. So we could either go the ancestor route, where, like, Captain Jonathan Archer is from a long line of... Oh, maybe he's in... Maybe he's... No, even then. Like, I was about to say, like, oh, may, maybe he is, like, the great-grandson of Jonathan Archer. But then uh-huh. I'm like, no, no, he needs to be Jonathan Archer. Right, right. Yeah, this is not as straightforward as it really seems. So I'm going to go the route of his father had the same amount of influence on his life, but he's no longer the inventor of the Warp 5 drive. What do you think he's the inventor of, or what do you think his father did in the 24th century? My first thought was polydeck technology. But how is that going to influence Jonathan Archer? I think that's the thing is that holodeck isn't about exploring. No. It's about research and relaxation. And so I think it needs Mm. to be something in the realm of drives or travel. What if he designed the galaxy-class ship and Archer is commanding the first galaxy-class ship? That's beautiful. That's perfect. That's it. That's absolutely perfect. There is no better example than what you just gave. Okay, there you go. There you go. Bam, done. All right, that's it. I'm going on break. <laughs> so, okay, so that, like, so like when Picard says, let's see what this galaxy class starship can do, like <sighs> aren't, when, when Archer says it, it yeah. means so much more. Yes. Oh my God, that actually, yeah, that gives that line a completely elevated meaning. Mm-hmm. And so with that in mind, like, because we all know that the galaxy class is just amazing. It's just a beautiful ship. It and is. It is. It totally dominates space. A lot of people criticize the Galaxy Class because it looked like a leisure liner. But the thing is, I always respected it for that because it means we have conquered space travel. Like, we have made it comfortable. (laughs) And Uh Jonathan Archer's dad, he's just like, I'm going to make this a huge beast of a machine. And some people said it couldn't be done. No one could make a galaxy-class starship. (laughs) But Jonathan Archer's dad is just like, screw you, I'm going to do it. That's perfect. And so it's only fitting that his son is the first captain of a galaxy-class starship. Yay, nepotism. But it works and it's good. Now, everyone who's screaming like, oh, the first ship of a class is usually called the galaxy and there is the USS Galaxy out there, screw that, okay? Just ignore it. it. Just go away, (laughs) go away. (laughs) It's our canon, darn it. (laughs) Okay, so... Jonathan Archer, played by Scott Bakula, he's in the red. He's yeah. in the red suit. He either has the lines on his shoulder or he doesn't, depending on which era we're in. Yeah. So do we start with, like, how does Encounter at Farpoint go? Or do we just kind of speak in generalities by his relationship? So, like, how is his relationship with Riker? Like, how does that work? You know, like, which way do you want to go? I think that's a good place to start is how does the dynamic with the crew change with a different captain? Perfect. I think that's a great place to start because we can look at it from a writing standpoint as in characterization. How does like, yeah. how, because the captain just does not exist on his own. It all depends on how they interact with their crew. So let's start at the top. Yeah. Will Riker, how does that work? I feel like this is the beauty of the Picard Riker relationship is how they played off of each other. I mean, like, Picard is smaller in frame, he's much more of the diplomat, the egghead. But he's, of course, a competent captain. And you have Riker, who's very tall, broad-shouldered, and is a great pilot. Ready to go for action. And Archer is kind of like Riker in that. He's tall. Yes. He's the ladies' man. He's a pilot. So how does that work? So are they going to be competing for who leads the away missions? Mm-hmm. 
Like, you take this one, I'll get the next one. Like, but I can't, well, no, no, wait, wait a minute. No, I've got to interject. I've got to go on this one. This one's too good to pass up. I actually, I see maybe a little bit of conflict between these two, where maybe Riker has more of a dissenting opinion on Archer to maybe play a little bit of devil's advocate. They respect each other, of course, but I think they're a little more at odds at each other as opposed to, say, Riker and Picard, who they use their relative strengths to become a better commanding force. These two are going to clash a lot more. I see it as a rough relationship because they're so similar. I think yeah, that like they're too alike. They're too alike. Yeah, I think Archer chose Riker to be his XO because he saw so much of himself in Riker and it ends up backfiring. Yeah, okay. Ooh, idea. Archer's not a whole lot older than Riker, but maybe he sees his younger self in Riker and thinks, I'm going to groom him to be the next captain of this ship. Well, I think Archer is, I mean... I wouldn't say tons older. It's not like it's not like Riker-Picard disparity. No, no, it's not like Riker-Picard disparity, but I think there's a good decade in between them, and there's a, there's a big really? difference in decade. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'd say. All right. Okay. Let's let's go with that. Ten years. I mean, that's enough of a difference, but it's not huge. It's not a complete generation. No, no, it's not gigantic. No, but I think I think that's the thing is that like they're both headstrong. They're both cocky. They're both great pilots, and I would love to see an episode where piloting ability comes into play, and. And somehow, like, they both are just swinging it around, you know, like, <laughs> taking out the measuring stick, and their egos just absolutely clash, where, like, Riker says, like, hey, you're the captain, I have to do this, you can't risk your life, and plus, I'm the better pilot. And then Archer's like, uh, well, I'm the captain, I can do whatever the hell I want, and also, I'm the best pilot. You know, it's just, <laughs> you could see that, and whether it's professional or or subtext or whatever it is, you could just tell that their ego, like... I think that's the thing is that this bridge is too small for for those two egos. They're both fairly big personalities. Actually, I love this dynamic because I see an episode at some point where they have to have not the falling out, but they've got to resolve their differences. They're either going to become a unified force or honestly, Riker's got to go to another ship because this isn't going to work. I see this moment where maybe... It's almost like uh, taking the concept of drive from Voyager where maybe they've got some sort of shuttle race or something for fun. They're both entering yeah. it and they're just trying to one up each other and they're trying to remain professional on the outside. But inside, this is deeply personal. I love that idea. At the end of it, maybe they just have like a drunken bar fight and then they're both laying on the floor after they've destroyed each other and they're just laughing. I could totally see that happening where Me too. like maybe for the first f first couple of seasons it's totally adversarial. Yeah. But like but like get the job done. Oh, well, sure. Yeah. Yeah, they never break down the professional barrier. They're there for the same cause. They get the job done. But then after that they kind of become best friends like Archer and Trip were. Yeah. Where they kind of share, you know, they share a beer beer with each other, they share a meal with each other. And I kind of see it that way where they're just like, oh, I can't stand that guy because we're so similar. But then they realize, oh, well, now we're best friends because we're so similar. You know, th right, that kind of thing. Right, right. So the whole racing thing or whatever it ends up being, that's kind of their bonding moment where they turn that corner. And then they start really building a real friendship. They're no longer adversaries. Now, one of the defining relationships of 
the next generation was between Picard and Data. Yeah. With Archer and Data, I see nothing happening. I see Archer just kind of like, okay, Data's there. He's an officer. Sure, he's my science officer, but he's just like, I feel like Archer has kind of like a a hesitancy towards Data because he doesn't Hmm. quite understand the technology that makes him tick and he doesn't like technology that he can't understand. So you suppose he's kind of walking on eggshells with Data a little bit, not really knowing how to interact with him and how to regard him even as an officer. There's some issues to talk about. I think he needs to discuss that with Troy. I don't think it's prejudice-based. I think it's more ignorant-based. You know, yeah. And I'm not saying you were saying the opposite. I'm just adding that to it. No, no, that's great because then there's a nice arc that you could throw in where he comes in with that attitude that Pulaski had initially. I was just about to say that, yeah. But then he comes around and he's, he and Data start to forge a friendship too. I think it would be less hostile than Pulaski. yeah. I think it'd be less in your face than Pulaski, but it's a little bit more standoffish. And maybe even Data calls him on his crap. Like, what's the deal here? Yeah. Yeah, maybe Data is talking to Troy about, I don't know what I did to the captain, but I don't think he likes me. I like that more than Archer going to Troy about Data. I like Data going to Troy about Archer. Yeah. So then maybe Troy, as the counselor, she has to be the peacemaker and start Mm -hmm. giving Archer some perspective. Uh, yeah, it just feels right, right? It does. That's a good story. I don't have any evidence to back it up. I just fe- it just feels like Archer. Sometimes you just have to go with the gut feeling. And that's very much Archer in and of himself is, on Enterprise, he's dealing with a lot of the unknown, you know? It really is the final mm-hmm. frontier. There's not a whole, there's not the level of understanding of the galaxy than there is in the 24th century. It's all very strange new world-ish, and it's a very right-on-the-seat-of-your-pants thing because there aren't a whole lot of established rules in that time. Now, in the yeah. 24th century, we have the luxury liner that is the flagship of the Federation. There's peace, for the most part, in the galaxy, and a lot of the galaxy is known. His gut maybe is a little bit tempered, in this respect, just because maybe he doesn't have to rely on it quite as much or maybe not in the same ways. What do you think about that? I think that's a solid point. And I think jumping off of that, maybe he's kind of an older breed that is in the wrong time. I think because <laughs> we're placing him in the wrong time, like, you know, when people say like, oh, I was born in the wrong era or I'm an old soul or something like sure. that. Even though we are literally doing that to this character, I feel like this character in universe would have that feeling too, where he longs for the days of the Wild West, of Kirk and Bones and Spock, even though he came before them. He idolizes those people. Like maybe he's obsessed with the lineage of Enterprise, where he Mm. knows everything about Enterprise C, B, A, and original, and and in XL1. Right. By some Captain TBD. <laughs> yeah. You know, Janeway talked about Sulu being a part of the Old West and falsifying records. What if he kind of tends to do that a little bit more and somebody calls him out on it? That's not going to be kosher in the Starfleet of the 24th century. Also, he's going to get really bored with ferrying diplomats. Yes. Yes. I would love to see that where like Archer is not the diplomat. He's a reluctant diplomat. I mean, he is the one who helped create the charter for the Federation and bring everybody to get together. So it's not fair of me to say he's not the diplomat, but he is an, a reluctant 
diplomat because he is an explorer, a traveler who, you know, shoots from the hip. That's who he is, but he's still good at it. Maybe, yeah, maybe he, because he's longing for the days of Space, the Final Frontier and Strange New Worlds, he's the one who wants to go out there and keep exploring. He feels like that should continue to be the future of Starfleet. And then meanwhile, though, nope, Ambassador Sarek is back on the ship and we got to take him over here and it's going to take two weeks and la-di-da-di-da. Before we go back to the developing relationships and everything like that, I am yeah. currently watching the next generation. Like some, I'm skipping around the next generation with my wife, the girl, and I decided to show her all of the Worf Klingon episodes in a row. Oh, okay. Was there any reason in particular? Is she into Klingons or Worf, or was it just because? It kind of started off as a just because. Where like when we were jumping around. I was like, oh, I wanted to show her the redemption two-parter. And I was like, well, I can't show her the redemption two-parter without showing her sins of the father. I was like, well, I don't really yeah. want to show her sins of the father without showing her the introduction of Kalar. And then I'm just like, well, crap. I mean, let's just let's just do this. And yeah. she started really enjoying Worf's storyline of discommendation and about how she's like, oh, wow. You know, like, so this isn't resolved after one episode. Like, this isn't, this doesn't have a happy ending. I'm like, no, no, it doesn't. And she was very intrigued with that because this was made in the 80s and early 90s. And it kind of fought against the trend of normal episodic nature where everything's interchangeable. And usually there is that happily ever after ending. But yeah, and so she and she, she, she just kind of caught herself enjoying it. I'm just like, okay, well, let's just do this all together. Let's just do it in one span. That's so awesome. Side note, I'm loving the fact that the girl is watching TNG and enjoying it. It's amazing. I don't think I'll be able to move her on to Deep Space Nine or Voyager, but I'm going to enjoy TNG while we have it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Enjoy this moment right here. I'm not going to push it. I might show her right. the current storyline in Deep Space Nine to kind of button mm. up a few things. That's a good idea. But I think that's all that I'll do for right now. But anyway, moving on. So with the Redemption storyline and the Klingon Civil War storyline, I think that the Klingon Civil War would have happened a little sooner with Archer at the helm. That seems entirely possible, yes. Because I feel like Picard's knowledge of Klingon culture and his cool head and his ability to adapt to other cultures is something that helped delay the Klingon Civil War for a little bit. And Uh I don't think Archer has those qualities. No, I don't think he's as good of a diplomat as Picard. And I don't know if... Archer would have done as much homework as Picard did. I just can't envision Archer getting immersed in Klingon culture. No. Sorry, Jonathan. I just don't. Speaking of which, let's go to, let's move on and let's talk about Archer and Worf since we're kind of on that topic. How do you think Archer and Worf would interact? Good question. I'm trying to think of what that dynamic really would look like because I don't think it's going to be automatically at odds. I don't think it's going to be quite the same thing as where he doesn't know how to interact with a Klingon. I mean, I think he's better than that. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, we've already got that dynamic going with Data anyway. Is it just mutual respect or does Worf hate Archer for some reason? I don't think Worf hates Archer for some reason. I feel like Archer is wary of Worf but respects him where he's just like he can't help but respect Worf because he's a competent officer and he's so good at his job and powerful and i feel like this is that situation where Worf saves archer's bacon on more than one occasion 
Oh, I like that. So maybe there's some respect forged there. Before that, maybe there just isn't any dynamic at all. Right. I feel like maybe Archer is quick to get annoyed with Worf because he feels like maybe his attitudes or cultural viewpoints get in the way more so than Picard. Mm. Oh, big question here. Does he constantly reject Worf's ideas like Picard did? I don't think so. I think he actually <laughs> accepts them way more than Picard does because I feel like Archer's a little bit more quicker to defense. Yes, exactly. That's what I was thinking too, is he's actually going to be a little quicker to action than Picard. So yeah, maybe, okay, so maybe we kind of erase everything that we just said and and Archer and <laughs> Worf <laughs> get along a little bit better because Archer values Worf's input because he's always on the defense or he's always on the defense and quick to attack. And so she can go like okay well you know like let's keep some photon torpedoes in the back pocket i I hear what you're saying Worf. i like that and then Riker comes in maybe he's the one who's saying but wait let's reconsider this what does this mean i like that so then maybe you've got a little bit of a trio going maybe instead of picard Riker, data it's picard or it's archer Riker, Worf. i yeah i think so i think that's Mm. i think that's a great triangle there for the command structure because i feel like he i feel like archer would gravitate towards Worf more than he would data and then riker's there to rein him in and then they all kind of try to balance each other out now speaking of security just because we can let's talk about yar yeah okay how would these two get i think honestly these two would spend time off duty together yes Yes, that is exactly yep. what I was thinking because I feel like Archer and Yar, if anything was going to happen, I think it would happen <laughs> with Yar. You think so? I really so do. So then we have to consider the whole thing of, okay, having a relationship with the subordinate. Is that going to go well? Probably not. That's why she's no longer on the ship. She didn't get killed. She got reassigned. Oh, actually, I was going to go ahead. I mean, I think either one works, but I was going to go ahead and say, like, yeah, she got killed. And maybe that's what causes Archer to never have another relationship with a subordinate again. Ooh. Oh, no, that's a good idea, too. Just like, okay, too much. It's not worth the risk. Yeah. Yeah, I think mm. I think that's, like, he gets, he connects with Yar super strong, super fast. They click. He loves strong women. And which we which we've seen hot, passionate love affair. Yeah. In which we've seen an enterprise with the captain of the Columbia. He he loves women in charge and and, and who are who are strong and capable. Yar's assertive and a little aggressive. And she's I think she's going to pursue him as much as he's going to pursue her. And the thing is, it's unlike the captain of the Columbia. She's there on the bridge every day. Right. And so things. So it heats up fast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Going to write so much fan fiction. Okay. So that's set. Let's move on to the other, let's move on to some other female co-workers. So Troy. I don't think they spend a whole lot of time outside of work together, you know, in their mm-hmm. off-duty hours, but there's a good working relationship there. When he's got a problem, he comes to her. She gives him good suggestions, good things to think about because she's actually doing her job as a counselor helps kind of keep him grounded, set him on the right path. However, maybe there's a little bit of disapproval on Archer's part down the road after what happens with Yar, after he finds out that Riker and Troy have been involved and maybe are and aren't again. Like, oh, oh, go, don't do that. Don't do that. I could see that happening where like maybe he kind of goes to 
to Troy and says, like, be careful because look what happened to me. But I feel like it's just because with Picard and Troy, I loved the Picard and Troy relationship. I thought it was so warm and beautiful and friendly. It was a great dynamic. I don't think Archer would have that with Troy. I think it would be purely professional. I think he would value her input and insight because she's an empath and he would use her a lot more than Picard in like Uh negotiations and with interactions with other species. Maybe help the disparity he has maybe on the diplomatic end of things. Absolutely. Yes. He could use her as his diplomat to help him in those situations a little bit more than Picard did just because even though Picard did use her in that fashion. But because Archer's not a natural diplomat, he kind of makes up for it with Troy. But I don't think he goes to Troy for personal matters like Picard did. I think it's purely professional. Okay. So if he is coming in for a session, maybe it's just strictly personnel issues. Yeah. How do I get along with this guy? Or he comes in and says, or like barely even that. He just kind of says, he comes in and he says, he's like, okay, we got the Ligarians uh, visiting next week. I have no idea how to deal with them. Can you help me out with that? Do you suppose it's Troy who tries to get personal with him, even if he's not getting personal with her? And he, I mean, is there maybe, uh, does he resist that? I think he resists. I think she tries and he resists and she takes the hint. Okay. Yeah. That's what I think. I, I see how that works. Okay. What about Dr. Crusher? Uh, well, obviously, none of that sexual tension is there because they don't have the history no. like Picard and Crusher did. He had the the relationship with Yar that didn't work out for obvious reasons. I feel like it'd probably be similar to something like him and Phlox, where Crusher will give her opinion whether he likes it or not, and mm-hmm. she kind of throws her weight around. And he just kind of accepts it because she's a commander. She's the the CMO. And Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any animosity there. But I think there's a little bit of a, Crusher's not going to like this one. You know, like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but there's definitely the mutual respect there. I feel like Crusher would be the one to tell him the things that he doesn't want to know. You know, give him the truths that he doesn't really want to acknowledge, but she's the one who makes him face it. Yes. I think Troy would have a lighter hand because of what she does. Crusher would just give it to him straight because that's her personality. Yeah. And well, and she's a mom. She doesn't really care what you think. You're, she's got a job to do. She does not have time for BS. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. So I like that. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Now, what does Archer think about children on the Enterprise? This is not something he had to deal with on his Enterprise in canon. I think he... Loves children, but I feel like Archer is the type of guy who loves children, but he hates that they're on the ship because he thinks it's too dangerous. I like that. And what if it was his dad's idea to have families aboard the Enterprise? And so it's like, Dad, no, this is a horrible (laughs) idea, but it goes through anyway. And then he's the one who has to deal with it. Right. I like that idea. Like Jonathan Archer's dad built the Galaxy class with families in mind he's like listen if we're going to continue to explore and go where no one has ever gone before then we need to take our families with us yeah maybe there's some dynamic there like archer's dad he couldn't be there for a lot of jonathan's upbringing because he was out there doing whatever Mm -hmm. and he realized oh that was horrible wouldn't it have been great if i would have been able to be with my son every day after work well the way i could have done that is by having him on the ship or 
maybe he did have Jonathan with him on a ship every now and again, you know, just Mm -hmm. for a couple months here. And then he goes back to Earth or whatever and realize, I really enjoyed that time. What if we did that for families all the time? Yes, it's a risk, but is it worth the risk? And his he leans on the side of yes. Jonathan says, I'm not so sure about that. I think because of that, everything that you just said, I agree with. I think because of that, we see Archer use Sasa's separation a whole lot more than we saw Picard. Yeah. I think maybe that's his top priority is protecting the more you know civilian members of the crew. So we get a lot of that stock shot (laughs) in the earlier days when they can't afford to show new separations all the time. But I love it. I love it. Oh, here's a really important thing. Jonathan Archer still has to have a dog. Oh, yeah. We know that there's other dogs on the Enterprise. What if Porthos goes to doggy daycare on the Enterprise D? Yeah, I th- yes, I I completely I think that's that would totally work because I'd say it's it's not just like another dog. It is straight up Porthos the Beagle. Like he is on the oh, Enterprise oh, yeah. D. It's got to be Porthos. Absolutely. And it would be a lot of fun to just like go to the doggy area. There's like the doggy babysitters or staff or what have you and he, mm-hmm. "Oh, come here Porthos, here's some cheese." And just, <laughs> that's just got to be there. That's got to be yes. there. Now, Jordy. Jordy. Hmm. Now, this is a very different dynamic than Archer and Reed. I don't know if they have quite as much of a relationship. I disagree. Okay. Do tell. I think Archer and Jordy really hit it off, but it's mainly out of pity. Because Archer... <laughs> of course, because it's Jordy, the poor guy. Archer sees Jordy swing and miss so often <laughs> that he does what Riker never really did. Like, Riker just kind of was just like, oh, geez, Jordy, like, when are you going to get with it? But I see Archer as kind of this mentor with the ladies for Jordy. <laughs> is Jordy Archer's project? I think so. I I really do. <laughs> I think, okay. like, Archer Wait. goes to Jordy and tries to teach him how to be suave and how to go on dates and everything like that. Now, I'm wondering, though, do they initially bond over something nerdy? like some sort of engineering thing, or does that take away from the Jordy and Data dynamic? Actually, no, I think I think it can be. I think it starts as nerdy because Jordy loves the ship. He loves engineering. He loves yeah. the galaxy-class starship, the, the design. And so what if they bond over that? Like, what if Jordy is a huge fan of Jonathan Archer's dad? I think that's a little too, like, on the nose, a little too close, a little egotistical. But... I think maybe they're just major nerds about something engineering-wise, or, or maybe he's just a big fan of past enterprises and they have a big historical knowledge, and so they're intent forward geeking out over the days of yore. Well, yeah, I, what, and, or maybe they're going on holodeck adventures together. <laughs> well, I think the, the key component is that they bond over something nerdy, whether it's the ship, the design, the engines, the lore, whatever warp it is. Warp theory. Could be warp theory, but I think the important thing is that like that's the beginnings but then because they have that relationship that you drew out. Then it gets personal. That's when Archer is just kind of like, dude, what are you doing? Like, Yeah. 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 Just trying to help a guy out. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see Archer call out Jordy about having dates with real people on the holodeck, even though they're holograms. Mm-hmm. You know, holograms based on real people, a.k.a. Leah Brahms. Just bro. No. <sighs> Don't do that. So I think that leaves one person, and that would be... Oh, wait, no, I have another one after this one, but Wesley. What do you think about his relationship with Wesley? 
You know, I, th- I really do think that Archer would have a better relationship with Wesley than Picard did. I think he's going to be a little more easygoing with children, even though he's maybe not quite as at ease with having them there because of just the risk of problems. But hey, okay, they're there. He's embracing mm-hmm. it. And he can speak the language of kids much better than Jean-Luc ever did. Right. And also, he doesn't have that hesitancy because he wasn't directly responsible for his father's death. Yeah. So I think they're butts. I think he maybe is the one that teaches him how to fly. I would love to see that. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of trying to be a little mentor to the uh, the next generation. That sort of a thing. I, I would like to see maybe Archer just involved with the kids a little more. You know, like how there's Captain Picard Day. Mm-hmm. How would Archer handle Captain Archer Day? I think he would love it. I have a feeling he would. I think he would throw himself into it. I think he would be like, he would not have any trepidations like Picard did. He would, of course, you know, feign humility, but he would secretly want to put all of those up on his wall. Maybe we would see it too, as like he's got the Captain Picard doll in his ready room. He's got a portrait in his quarters from some fourth grader, you know. Mm-hmm. He, I, yeah, he definitely embraces Captain Picard Day a lot, or Captain Archer Day, forgive me, a lot more than Captain Picard ever did and he sees it as just a complete honor and he's blushing a little bit he thinks it's great now i think we have one character that we absolutely have to talk about before we close out the show who's that and that is q yes this is going to be an adversarial relationship on steroids i think it's going to be a blend of cisco and janeway (laughs) i like that yeah, I think it's going to be spicier than Picard and Q. Mm-hmm. It's going to have a little more of that spunk, and there's going to be just rabid energy exchanging between these two. Not to say that Q and Picard didn't clash, because they certainly did, but say like the difference between Picard and Q and Janeway and Q, it's going to be much more Janeway, uh, minus the whole sexism stuff. Yeah, I think I'd like to see the chemistry of Janeway in Q, in Archer, but at the same time, I'd love to see the aggression of Cisco in Q. You suppose Archer's going to punch him? Oh, yeah. I think he has to, several times. I think Archer punches Q, and I think Archer doesn't even have a curiosity with Q. I think Archer sees Q as straight-up adversary, where he wants none of his nonsense, where it's much more cat-and-mouse chemistry, And Janeway just kind of like rolls her eyes and she's just like, oh God, we just have to put up with him because he's omniscient. Yeah. But I feel like Archer doesn't even go that far. He's just like, you are an annoyance. I hate you. I don't want anything to do with you. Go away. (laughs) Quit screwing with us. Yeah. He would not have fun with the whole like Robin Hood thing or if Vosh went away, he would like, he would straight up say to Vosh, listen, you you should not go with Q whatsoever. I do not like this. This is wrong. I think he would just right. be much more emphatic about how evil he thinks Q is. I can totally see that. And then we know that you love to point out how Scott Bakula has, you know, normal Archer and then angry Archer as his two acting modes. Well, we know which one this is going to be. He's going to do it well. We know that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I see that working. Is there anybody else or any other thing that you want to talk about before we close out? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think we kind of cover the important bases here. There's maybe smaller details we could go into here. But if we do that, we've got to do all, a whole bunch of them. And 
Nah, I, I think we're good. What do you think? I yeah, I think that's the thing is that like we could go on and on and on talking about this and like straight up write episodes or totally. rewrite Encounter at Far Point or all good things and see what that would look like, and that would be a lot of fun. Maybe we can go back to it, but I think yeah. that's the show for another day. So, but we did what we set out to do today. We went down the line and discussed character dynamics. We know what those are now. I think with Archer being at the helm. It completely changes the show. Even though you have these great characters from the XO down, the dynamic between, like the captain sets the tone of the show. And so yep. when that tone is changed, the rest of it is changed. And so I think that would be very interesting to see. There's so many times that I have dreamt of having an advanced computer like on the 1701D where you can go into the holodeck. I just want to say like, okay, um, computer, extrapolate at this time in the late 80s and the early 90s, extrapolate what Star Trek The Next Generation would look like episode to episode if it was helmed by the character Jonathan Archer following these parameters. And then, you know, just like, <laughs> then we would just see what it would look like. I would, I have always dreamt of being able to do that. Or like, show me what Firefly season two would have looked like. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> Someday we'll have that technology. All right. Well, that's our show, folks. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to go to thenerdparty.com for all of your needs, whether it's listening to our back episodes or finding us on social media. And uh, next week, uh, we haven't decided yet, but I kind of want to run with this. What do you think about doing Cisco on Voyager? Sure. Why the heck not? Let's do it all. Well, uh, next week might be uh, Cisco on Voyager. It might be an XO on a different ship or station, or it could be any number of things. But you'll have to tune in next week to find out. So until then, we are going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.